Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Please welcome this evening's guest moderator, creative director and producer, Kinvara Balfour. Hi everyone. Thank you all for coming. I'm very excited about tonight. I'm a huge fan of Zach. Um, and it's really an honor for me to be interviewing him tonight. And I'm sure you'll all agree that it's very special that he's here, especially he's just had his show. And I think he's probably got a lot on his plate this week. Um, he began working in fashion from an early age. His journey is a fascinating, not to mention an entertaining one. He was born in New York. He was raised just around the corner here in Soho. He went to Parsons. He went to Central St. Martins in London. He interned at the Met. He's got a lot of other stories to tell us. And that's just the start of it. His designs are worn by women all over the world, and he's a big favorite with red, the red carpet actresses. In addition, he's a much-loved host on Project Runway. Before I welcome him on stage, let's take a look at his recent fall 2014 show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage, Zach Person. Hi. Hi. Okay, get yourself comfortable. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. I know it's been a really busy week and a really busy day with snow. It's a big honor for us to have you here, so thank you. My pleasure. This used to be uh, my post office growing up. Oh, great. It's very bizarre. Okay, be yeah, because you grew, in the, you grew up I in grew the area. I grew up a block through that building there. Okay, across so the we're street. in, we're in Soho. Right through. That's where I grew up. My parents still live there. Okay, well, welcome back. 
That's a good omen. Now, I congratulate you on your show. We're going to watch a little bit more in a second. Before we do, I want to just go back to the beginning because you've had a really, really interesting journey into fashion and it began at quite a young age and you've done all sorts of crazy things with all sorts of interesting people. So just tell us, from growing up in Soho, how did you begin? What was your first memory of loving fashion? Who, in, who inspired? Did you have a mother who just dressed in ball gowns every day? Or? Definitely not. My mother was uh, a working professional and my father is an artist, his studio is there, and he's a painter. Uh, and the subject of a lot of his paintings in the 70s were part of the photorealist movement and dealt with fabric because all the buildings in this neighborhood were factories and cutting rooms. So that was something, a medium that was at his disposal to paint. So it was his interpretation of fabric there and then my earliest memory is walking our standard poodle in the area and all the negative space of patterns cut out on fabric and just playing with that and then in terms of like fashion memories uh, the neighborhood changing right right there where the APC store uh, was the Azadine Alaya store okay and that's the beautiful floors were designed and put in there and then where Barney's was was the Comme des Garçons store. And those were the two first fashion stores and that was, you know, my walk to school. I went to nursery school just up at Silver Towers, two blocks up from here and uh, Okay, great. Welcome welcome home then. And it's my hood. And your first actual job, whether you're interning or not, what was your actual first job in fashion? What was at the Met, was it? No, my first actual, actual job was an internship at Nicole Miller. Oh, right, yes. Okay. And that was sort of the first time, you know, my mom said, get a job. And I remember coming home and saying, well, they don't pay, it's an internship. No and one her pays. saying, well, how are you going to afford to live in, in the city? And I didn't really have an answer, but I sort of found ways to make it work. I was, she was very generous with her time and I would sketch all day and I'd put the sketches on her desk and she'd review them with me and I watched, that was my first experience of seeing a collection process into a runway show. I learned with a, a great show producer named Kevin Cryer, was 16, he said like, this is how you book a model. Here, there's the phone, <laughs> book the model. And, um, you know, that was the, that first experience, and I started making a lot of clothing for the girls that were in the show, like Karen Elson and uh, great girls, that lifelong friends. Yeah, okay. And then, and then after Nicole Miller, you went on to the Met with it by a chance meeting when you were just wandering around. Tell yes. us about that. I was in the Met, and there was this Vincent Price-like voice speaking down the halls of the Met, and it was an exhibition called The Four Seasons. And there was this man giving a tour with only sort of a, a big crowd of very little old ladies following him, and I started asking questions. And after his lecture, he said, you know, I, I said, hi, you know, thank you for the lecture. Do you ever do internships? And he said, yes, I would love you to apply. And I wrote a formal letter, and from there, I took my meeting, and I went into this office behind the scenes of the Costume Institute, and it was a fully intact Diana Vreeland's office. Fantastic. Like a time capsule. The door had been shut. 
And I sat in her chair, and I did not know what to do. I was so nervous. So I sang the song Think Pink. Okay. To him, you know, which is sort of a, a character derived off of Vreeland for, from Funny Face movie with Fred Astaire. And uh, the character of Vreeland sort of portrayed by Kate Thompson, who wrote Eloise later. Okay, fantastic. And that's how that started. And that was the most, uh, that was really the incredible schooling experience. Uh, I was filing, I was, you know, helping out wherever I could. I was able to see great designers do their research right. while I was there. Uh, Have you seen the archives? Oh, yeah. I want to know what they're like. Is it amazing? What's down there? Oh, it's amazing. incredible. And it's all cold and separated by Venetian blinds and the most beautiful paper you've ever seen in drawers. Wow. And you can sort of skip decades. Yeah, I know the archive very well. Wow, that's a, that's a real gift to have that. And then you went to Parsons after that, and then you went to Central St. Martins in London, which was quite formative for you. You, you, you seemed to hit the ground running in London. London loved you, you loved London, I think. Yeah. And you made friends with all sorts of crazy cool people. And what brought you back then to New York? Getting a job. Okay, okay. I, I just couldn't... Uh, you know, I was I skipped a year going into college. So in England, you have something called A levels, which is like your first year of art school. And I was able they accepted me into both the regular program, skipping the first year into A levels. That's really unfair. I didn't get that. No one gets to skip A levels in England. You're obviously quite clever. I I don't know. You know, it, it just happened. So I went in, and I was the youngest by like over a decade. <laughs> uh, at least if, of the people in my class. A lot of people had had their master's degrees from other universities and sort of reapply into St. Martin's to launch their career. Okay. But London uh, was an incredibly formative experience. It Who were the designers at that time for you uh, over there? Was it McQueen, Galliano? It was McQueen. Around? I mean, McQueen owned London. Right. Right. We had Hussein Shalayan. So, I mean, yeah. my first year in college, I got to go. My Like, the first month in school, I went to the famous furniture collection of Hussein Shalayan. You know, a year into it, I got to see the incredible Hussein Asylum collection of McQueen. I was the last person allowed in to that wow. show. Plum Sykes was like working the door. Nice. And all, you know, all my friends like, you know, went in and I was just like pleading, please let me in. And it was, I don't even know where in London. Yeah. You know, somewhere, somewhere industrial amazing. across waters. Yeah. Uh, and it was just an incredible experience. And uh, Sean Lane, his jewelry designer, had made this like impaling spike that Karen Elson had to wear. And our, my, our really good friend was backstage. And as she left this insane asylum, she tripped. And it was like seconds from this spike, you know, would have just severed her head, basically. Right. The dangers of fashion. The dangers of fashion. With Alexander McQueen. Yeah, in those uh, shoes. For real. And uh, London was incredible. It was an introduction into 1960s fashion, into the 70s of London, into, you know, my obsession was with Ozzy Clark and with Jean Muir. Right. And uh, while I was there, we did a project for school, and the dress that I did uh, got accepted into the Victorian Albert Museum into okay, the permanent amazing. collection. For anyone who is not familiar with the Victorian Albert Museum, it is the costume museum of England, if not the world, close to the Met and its reputation. That's amazing. It was for their 100th anniversary, and it was an interchangeable dress, and that was just... Then press started. Right. And uh, a girlfriend of mine wore a dress to a Christmas party 
And a week later, the New York Times called and said, we want to write a story about this dress. And they started interviewing me. And at that point, I had like hit the ground running. Uh, I was working with a dear friend of mine, Naomi Campbell, who was doing all of my fittings. So how did, how did she get involved? Did you just meet or apparently no, she... No, she saw a dress of mine. She saw on one a of friend, your dresses on girlfriends, and, and she saw a few of them and decided she wanted some. And uh, she got her approval from her uh, designer father. And she came and uh, started doing fittings in Bloomsbury. Nice. I saw these legs come down, Naomi walking down. It was like her perfume and her Mandela, me and Mandela book. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had amazing women that took me under their wing there. My first day there, I met Anita Pallenberg wow. and, you know, traveled London. It was great. I was free. I was alone. It was a great test platform for New York City. Right. And then uh, the New York Times wrote this piece and they wrote it called A Star is Born. And then, you know... And talking of stars being born and glamorous women. So you're now, your dresses now are worn by women all over the world. And in particular, they are a favorite. I hate the word celebrity, so I'm not going to use it because it's not really relevant here. But let's talk about the talented, incredible actresses out there who do really love your gowns. I want to take a quick look at the second half of your full 14 show, and then we'll talk a little bit more about these okay. amazing gowns. Because no I kind of want to know the life that they have and the journey that they have. So we'll take another look now. This is the second half of full 14 show. Absolutely beautiful. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about how you go about coming to what you've made and what you show in the show and the journey that those dresses are going to have 
are they going to end up at the Oscars? Do you know? How does it work? When they do end up at the Oscars or on the red carpet, what impact does that have on a business? In a, really, does it, does it actually result in sales? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Okay, okay. Uh, you know, we live in a celebrity-driven culture. Uh, they are the fashion plates. We can believe that the street okay. is the fashion plate. Right. But it doesn't have any of the impact that uh, red carpet dressing does. It used to be religion. It then was royalty, then the great socials, and now it's the celebrities. Okay, and I mean, that's just how fashion has worked, and that those are the fashion plates of our time. Right. They are the people that have a cultural international dialogue about the outfits. Okay, so for some of those dresses there, which are so beautiful and... So perfect for the red carpet. What's the journey for those? Is there? A, do you have stylists who call you immediately after the show, kind of bagging them? Are Before you the show, them around the world. Before the show, how do they get to see them? You let. Well, them. I'm in dialogue with everybody. Okay, okay, <laughs> right. Well, that's you see. We don't know that. We don't know how. I mean, it works. I'm in dialogue. You know, it depends. It's if somebody's drawn to a piece. I mean, I think there's a lot of components. The stylists are key. The managers, the publicists, the agents. Okay. Family members of the performer. Yeah, they're so all you're having a involved. Lot of dialogue. So there's a lot of elements that come into play there. Uh, you can dress somebody. You can say bye bye, have a great time. Watch them drive down a driveway, and you'll turn on your TV, and they'll be in a different dress for how real. Do, how does that feel? It's a game. Okay. I mean, I started going out to Los Angeles alone doing this when I was 22. So then you learn that whole different, you know. Like ZP in day. LA. Right. I don't know. That was, you know, my first trunk show there was the day Tom Ford opened his mega Gucci store. What do you do? Well, you put your mannequins on sunset and you hold a sign on the way to the store. Did you do that? Yes. Okay. 10 out of 10. I mean, you it. have to go for it. Mm -hmm. This is a very competitive business. Right. And it's art and commerce that mix. And do you see a change happening in the fact that celebrities are such role models and pinups? Do you see anything shifting? I mean, the whole street style phenomenon, everyone went on and on about how real people were going to come, you know, the, uh, the mannequins of the day. Do you see that changing or not? Is it still the, the actress it still holds her power? Well, I mean, I think street style's always been relevant. Personally, I feel that real strong street style movements come out of youth culture. Okay. Right. Uh, Hip hop, punk actually with a movement behind it. Yeah. To me, the street style of today comes from something that's a little bit of reverse snobbery. Mm. And I think it's great. I mean, I think there's right. something interesting. I think there's been a lot of great influences from tech sportswear. Mm -hmm. When you're watching the Olympics and you see like those kind of prints or that kind of texture into there. But, uh, you know, I don't see a real subculture or movement that's addressing a strong universal style. Okay. But I think, unfortunately, for that to exist artistically, we'd have to live through a much harder recession. Okay, let's not do For that. a subculture to exist. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really the reality, right. is that if you want artists or creative people to come as a community with something they believe in and dress for it, something more intense has to yeah. happen for that to, to happen, and that's how punk came out. and. Right. Hip hop culture, and I'm sure it will come again. But right now, the street look, you know, the sort of, which is great, mm. uh, is is something about being too cool for school, undressed, chic. Right. 
I don't know. It's not going to get you married. <laughs> it's not going to get you laid. It's not going to get you married. It's not going to get anything we, anywhere, right. but it might keep people away, which can be a purpose too. You've good. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But I mean, I think that it's interesting that focus on it. I think it's absolutely reactionary to the superpower of 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 Hollywood and media. Okay, but so Hollywood is America's media. greatest contribution culturally t of America to the world, I think. And you're very inspired by Hollywood. While we're talking about Hollywood, I want to have it on the background. We're just going to show some of your all your Instagram images talking about media. Zach has a huge Instagram following and post incredible pictures. So we're just going to have them on in the background while we speak. Um, to, yeah, Hollywood, Hollywood's a big inspiration for you, right? Not really. No? Mm -mm. Okay. I love it. You love it. And you love film? Film is one I of your love big inspirations? Film. I love film. Yeah. I like the idea of Hollywood may be different yeah. than what it actually is. Um, but I don't think about red carpet dressing when I'm designing at all. Okay. Okay. Which is probably surprising or maybe not, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, it starts first with my customers. And, you know, what's amazing to me in my learning experience is that if you're creating and crafting something of a very high quality that has a lot of design integrity uh, at a high price point, there are customers for this out there in the world. And are yours all over the world? All over the world. And are you noticing a new a, a shift in Chinese, Russian clients for the things that you're designing? I've kept half of my business since I started my career 50% outside the U.S. and maintained at least that healthy ratio. That's been absolutely essential right. and key in how the U.S. market grows to the rest of it. And then in Asia, uh, it's a completely different customer, and they don't even come to America. They're not. It's not U.S.-centric mm. culturally. Yeah, it's just not so. You have to go there. You know, you go there and you have those experiences, and it's it's unbelievable. Well, Japan's a fun experience. Of, um, so, if we're going to talk about social media, social media has allowed you to really connect with the world as a designer, which you do a lot. And your your uh, Instagram followers are extremely loyal fans, very vocal. I love them. I, I really love them too. I've got to know them a bit as well. I have to tell you, I love them. Take us through a little bit. Did they start following you? Huh? Did they start following you? Some of them comments? are. Okay. Some of them are, which is absolutely fine by me. Um, just take it, t tell me a little bit about how you, because you are very active with social media and technology. How has that changed for you? How do you work it? What, what's so great about it for you? Well, I love this idea of visual dialogue with a larger public. I love that breakdown of that wall and barrier. Uh, you on your iPhone, you're on your iPad, you're, how are you? iPhone iPhone that, all the way. That's what takes the photos and posts them and all the right. spelling mistakes and all that goes with it and punctuation. Okay. I'm, I mean, I don't, you know, I think you're sharing your eyes with the world and you're, the way you see things from, you know, a lookbook shot to my drapings to my cooking. Oh, yeah, the cooking. Cooking with Zach. Yeah, cooking with Zach. I'm inspired by those pictures. Yeah. Okay. That's my downtime from fashion is, is cooking. Okay, awesome. But yeah, it's, it's been an amazing tool. Uh, this week, we were the second, mo we gained the second most uh, followers or hits. Is that what wording? Okay, just checking. Proper wording. Checking of team. all fashion brands, we were number two. Wow. And I mean, to be in that order was like Michael Kors, us, Ralph after us, Diane after us. I mean, that was wild to me. That's That's, that's, that's a different kind of, and obviously, televisions there but then you also have to have a really expressive Instagram dialogue but right. I love visual dialogue that's so democratic 
and universal and giving and nurturing to your fans or for future followers or for customers. Uh, I'm also a very, I'm ADD, I'm dyslexic, so it's perfect. Good. Perfect okay. distraction to do in meetings. All right, well, long may it continue. I now want to take a little quick look. I want to talk about your work with Project Runway. Zach is in, has done two seasons of Project Runway. The first season he was in was the season that Lifetime won an Emmy for Project Runway, which I'll just add that in. Um, before we talk about it, we're going to take a look at your, some of your highlights on the show. It should be fun. We have acclaimed fashion designer, Zach Posen. Hi, designers. Your model looks fabulous. Clever cookie. She's just growing in strides. You know that I have an issue with poopy pants. It looks like an Avril Lavigne backup dancer. I don't really want to touch it. It's giving me a little bit of an Oompa Loompa shape. I admire experimentation and creativity. Her body looks smashing. <laughs> I loved your inspiration. Congratulations. Thank you. That's good. We like that. Okay, tell me how Thank you got involved. Thank you, Lifetime TV. Yes, thanks, Lifetime TV. How did you get involved in the show in the beginning? Was it an easy decision to make that it's you were going to be journey. a part of it? Um, I got approached over a decade ago to do Project Runway. You don't look much older than 20. Before, just when the show was anyway. being created, they came to me, and I was definitely not ready. I definitely thought about it, and I waited and waited, and then thought, ooh, reality, you know, reality fashion TV was something uh, terrifying. And then it just, I was at the right time in my life and age to be able to take that on because it's a huge commitment of time and energy. Uh, we film a whole day for the short segment. And uh, how, much, how much does it take up of, I mean? It's almost every other day through the summer. Okay. Through, I mean, no, through weekends. Right. So it's, uh, you know, and then all you have of a July and August, and you're working on two collections. Yeah. Um, and our bridal collection for David's bridal. Yeah, you just launched your bridal collection. Launched our bridal collection. Congratulations. Thank you. That. So yeah, I mean, it's just bring them on. I don't know. Bring it we, on. We can do time delegation. And and if you're if but you're Project um, Runway's been incredible. For for what reason? For for your for your designing? No, not mm, that um, for your business. Well, I love being able to try to give. You know, what you see is not everything that happens. So, I mean, I don't get to go behind the scenes, much to my chagrin. All I want to do is get back to the workroom with them and help them. It must be quite difficult knowing the pressure that they're under, having been through it yourself. You must, there must be... It's Fashion so Olympics, what them. they're doing. Right. I want to help them, give them yeah. advice, be able to bring out their strong, uh, their strong side. Uh, so that part is, is, is a compromise. And I def generally believe in constructive criticism. I obviously, on television, it's fashiontainment. So you have to up the snark value a little bit and make it fun and entertaining. And that's its own fun, too. And I like performing. Yeah. So I get that out there. And then in the studio, it's all serious time. Serious time. Back to beautiful ball gowns and... Yeah, it's very different. Yeah. You know, and then when we're doing our secondary line, you know, it's, it's always in a cycle. And you're doing eyewear as well, aren't we're you? We're doing eyewear, eyewear that we make in Japan that will be... First, we have our, our sunwear, and then it goes into optical, and then men's and women's stockings on both our top line and our secondary line. Okay, nice. So it busy time happening. ahead. It keeps happening. So it should. So and our it bags should. On, on Zach. Yeah, it, it keeps evolving. 
Okay, good. Well, I'm going to uh, open up to the audience for Q&A now. Um, if you have a question for Zach, then raise your hand and one of the Apple team will choose you. Hi. Um, I wanted to know what's your best word of advice you'd give to like a young designer just starting out? Start making clothing. Start, lay the fabric down. Start making clothing. Learn your voice and aesthetic and what you want to say and how you communicate that through your design. Know who your woman is. And I would say if you're a woman designer designing women's clothing, start wearing your own clothing. It's absolutely key. If you don't think you can wear it, then I'm not going to believe it. And then the world won't believe it. But I believe that just start. And start small. You don't need to like launch a line or a brand, just start making clothing and seeing that dialogue and that experience and rapport with clothing and your work to the public and you'll learn a lot, that's my best advice. Uh, and get as much work experience as possible, know your fashion history. What was the first dress that you designed, the very first piece? I made a tie skirt, I helped my sister in segments make a tie skirt. Okay, nice, where uh, is it now? Probably, in yeah, in the basement through the buildings over Great. there. Okay, good. Okay, next question, please. Hi, my name's Tilly. Um, you mentioned that today's street style uh, probably won't get you married or laid. What would be your advice then for today, if you could alter it or dress the street style that you see around uh, New York fashion week? I wouldn't alter it. Okay. I think it's great. I mean, that's, but I think that... Uh, expressing one's personality through dress is key. That's the power of fashion. That's what everybody has, is that you can dress the part to bring out inner character to become it. So I think, you know, fitting into, you know, the trends are marketing. The trends are who the largest advertiser is at the time becomes the infused trend of the season. And it just happens faster and faster. It used to happen through more time. But I would say, you know, find your voice as a dresser or as a designer and be expressing that because it will seem personal and it won't sort of filter into this thing, this gray area, that sort of this idea of personal style that's absolutely not. It's sort of a homo what I call the homogenized personal style. Everybody has a voice, but not really. And, uh, you know, you never want to fall into being part of the chic banal. You want to be an original, and that's what makes humanity beautiful is its individuality. And I think that's something to be expressed on the street. Can I just pick up on what you said about the fact that it's the, it's the big advertisers who are really creating the trends because they're the most prominent? Because that's what we see the most. That's a really interesting concept because they're paying for they're it. They're paying for it, so right. it becomes the trend. Okay, because it's, in our, it's so much more in our face than anything smaller and more subtle, you mean? Well, it's because it's what sets the trend. It's when you see a an magazine or it's advertorial. Right. You okay. know, everything is controlled. So that's why it's even more important to be expressive on the street. Yeah. Or yeah. to just say, forget it, I'm going to express my own voice. In a way, I think that's why social media, has, for me, been so important is that people do actually have a platform on which to show their work alongside when they might never have had it before. I mean, I wouldn't have gone to the show that I put on without social media, without that dialogue with the public from A, a confidence builder, but from a clear message. It was very, the feedback that I got on like my Instagram or 
feed or on Twitter was absolutely essential in A, retraining the fashion public and viewers that were watching it, what the essence of our brand is, and at the same time, I was learning it. And that's really cool to get to that place. And I was just like, let's clean this up. I just wanted to be about cut, line, and shape. Yeah. And it communicated. I, this season, uh, I got my best reviews I've ever had in my career a decade into it. That's, it was a huge, huge accomplishment. I mean, it's yeah. for me and my team. And if, and, and if, and if you hadn't had any, any official critic piece come out, maybe it doesn't matter so much these days because you have 345 fans commenting on your Instagram themselves. It's not that other people have a voice and they're able to get to you now. As this is designer. definitely power to the people. Right. So just because, just because someone may not be writing four lines about a designer specifically in the press, it doesn't mean so much anymore. Am I right? Y you can self-create using online and the internet yeah. now, 100%. And I would say use those tools. Right. It's a breakdown of the star system. Yay, bring it really, on. Really, you can really do that, and that's yeah. pretty amazing. I mean, it has to be top-notch, original. Yes, uh, and beautifully shot. Clear. And beautifully shot or your idea of beauty. Mm. I don't yeah. know. You know, I, th I have a friend, a model, Crystal Wren. You know, it's not what you would expect from her Instagram account. It's totally showing a new artistic side through her eyes. And it, it creates a clarity of her vision. Mm. And I, I, I love that about it. Okay, thank you. Right, we've got a couple of, time for a couple more questions. I'm here. Sorry, I've, I jumped in. Hi, I'm Hannah. Um, how have you developed such a great like business aesthetic? Um, I'm a fashion design student, and I'm worried that like in the future I won't like know business as well as I know design. How do you, how have you like developed that? Um, I think you either have to have it or you don't. On design, and or on business, you have to have the knack for it. My one advice is you can business to be a successful business person. You have to see numbers and business creatively from an entrepreneurial standpoint but numbers are, are I mean numbers are like drawing they're additive they're subtractive you can smudge it and and you know uh, square it you know it, it, it's very similar and it's pretty common sense at the end of the day it's in fashion business it's profit and margin that's what you want you know and uh, you're producing something you know how much fabric goes into it, what your labor is, and what you have to sell it at to make that return on it, and how many you have to sell on it. Beyond that, you know, the rest is, uh, in, you know, is, is pretty easy and smooth, but that's it. It's, it's you're making something, and you're selling it, and you want to make a profit on it. That's business 101, and <laughs> you just have to try to get that over and over and over and over and over again. Okay. Second but, question. Yeah. Can you Instagram us? What I d I have it well, ready to Instagram to, and I'm Instagram waiting. You guys. Okay. <laughs> He's going to do it. I have to give him time to do it. It's there. You do. We'll give you See, time I have to do the it. The audience now. there. I'm I'm waiting till I'm off stage. I thought it was There's also Instagram etiquette. I was going to say there's Instagram Let's etiquette talk about and Instagram I don't know how I feel about you That's doing it. That's its own conference, but I think we need exactly. to There needs to be like a manual of Instagram etiquette and a good app to make your own emoji. Right. Like why can't I make a signature and have that sent? Oh, come on, someone, quick. 
Sorry, Someone. we're getting the ideas out there of the things that yeah. I stay up late at night obsessing. Obsessing over. We need that. Okay, we have time for one more. I could chat it forever. We have time for one more. One more at the back. Thank you. Hi, um, I'm Hillary. I go to Parsons right now. Um, and we're learning right now a lot about branding and having that strong aesthetic. Um, and I was just wondering, like, you have a very form-fitted, very, like, wanting to define the woman's body aesthetic. And I was just wondering how you got to that point and why you kept with it. Well, it started from my love of bias cut clothing, which is cutting on an angle so it molds. Then it became sculpting. And then in terms of brand building, uh, I'm going to go to like a John Fairchild. I don't know if you guys know who John Fairchild was, but uh, repetition is reputation. You want to repeat something so that you become known as that. And hopefully it's something you're strong and good at but that's the trick, you know, it's just you just have to bang down that message and keep on it. And, you know, you'll have everybody in fashion trying to sway you this direction or that direction or this season or something. Just like stay true to that clear voice and the best of the best do that. And then from a personal standpoint, there's no such thing today in, in the successful future as the reclusive artist. It's nonsense. Nothing's reclusive. Nothing's private. We're going to have to wait at least a decade for there to be a social media revolution where we all want to throw our phones away and have privacy, which probably will happen, I believe. They say that disconnect is the new luxury, but I don't know if we're there yet. Like privacy is the new luxury? Yes, but if you're going to have a brand, you have to be ready to be a public figure, know what you stand for. And that takes time, but you have to have a very clear idea going into the gate absolutely essential know that you if you choose or you can choose somebody else to be in that role but you they have to be there with you for a long time but you have to be at the forefront you have to be able to discuss your clothing your work communicate and be the face of it is that did i help answer that okay just checking okay we have time for one more and then zach has to wrap up so he can go and instagram everyone <laughs> hi Hi. Um, in terms of knowing who your customer is and what they like, what else really inspires you every season? Well, I get inspired by the customer. When I'm not doing a fashion show or shooting Project Runway, I'm traveling the world putting on our fashion shows in different cities and doing trunk shows. So I'm actually with the customer hearing their fantasies, their neuroses, their desires, and I get sort of an ear or you know sort of an inkling of what they want from me in the future so it's really the women around me in the studio and then my own hands just on the mannequin playing you know if you play mistakes can lead to great successes i mean that's that's what's what's great about what we creativity and about fashion and we have to ask that one person looks okay. really cool in the back okay cool That's person in the back and he was outside looking cold when we okay came fair in. enough um do how do you think the rise of digital production technologies like digital knitting machines textile printers 3d printing are going to change this generation of designers that's hugely i think that all uh that technology integrated into fashion gives the possibility of uh, for its endless possibility. Uh, digital printing is something that I uh, am in constant research of. And uh, it's, it's, 
It's the ability to materialize an idea uh, that is invisible to, to the physical very fast and easily. So I think it's, it's essential. Uh, I don't think that any technology will ever mimic the expression of the human mind and hand. It's just too advanced. And I think that my Instagram account following my process of my building has been really interesting because through media I'm showing something that is so old-fashioned in a, in a process and building and yet we're using technology in our clothing incorporated into that all the time. But I think um, for like jewelry designers, it's like CAD. It's, 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 it's a life-changing ability and I think that digital fabric printing has revolutionized textile industry. So I think, uh, you know, hopefully it will, it will make less waste out of the fashion industry. The one thing that really drives me nuts over anything is waste. I can't, and our industry wastes. There's so much paper and garbage bag, it drives me berserko. So I just say, with technology, what I like about it is, is that it does have uh, an ecological benefit, and I hope that's part of the future of it as well, as furthering the possibilities of what ideas can be created and materialized. You're welcome. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right, that thank brings you for us coming to the, the end. Snow. We could talk forever. Thank you very much to all of you for coming tonight. It really, it really was lovely. Thank you to Zach thank for joining for us. Me. Thank you very, it's very an honor. much.